The Free for All Roundtable. Round one. On the roundtable, Tamara Cherry is here from Pickup Communications. Matt Gurney, journalist, co-founder of The Line, an online magazine, and the aforementioned John Burnside, Toronto City Councillor and chair of the TTC. You and I were discussing just before we started the roundtable, something I had observed on the show last week, and then I thought, oh, I hope he doesn't really hate that. Um, But when we were talking at council and you were trying to make sure nobody overheard us, I observed that you are capable of talking without moving your face, which is an extraordinary accomplishment. Well, who knew I had that skill, but uh, thank you for pointing in that, that out, and actually, uh, it makes me laugh. So, Okay, good thing. All right, so let's uh, begin. Where to begin? Uh, we have the Waterloo, uh, the city of Waterloo, that is not going to be appealing a court ruling that effectively said that a homeless encampment cannot be removed if you don't have somewhere to house those people. John Burnside, we've talked about the implications of that ruling before. The fact that it's not going to be appealed means that, that, that it's going to be the law of the land now. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised by that, um, especially some of the elements where uh, the judge said that the uh, the city had to find accommodation if it were uh, where there were partners, two people involved had to they have to have accommodation or pets. for both of them or pets. That was the other one, and you know the city, uh, as you know, I was involved in encampments, and we we did our best efforts to find those that type of accommodation. We did a pretty good job, but to make that as you say the law of the land, that's very problematic, and I'm uh, a little bit surprised by Waterloo's um, actions. Yeah, Tamara Cherry, we're not lawyers, but I have to think maybe another interested party can take this up as a matter of appeal because it's got some pretty serious implications. I mean, who else would take it up other than the Waterloo Regional Council? I wasn't totally surprised to see that they that they weren't uh, appealing this court ruling. Ruling Waterloo, I think actually we we spoke about this on the air when um, the decision first came down and. I mentioned at the time that Waterloo Regional Council, I mean, they've been amongst the most among the most thoughtful bodies in Canada when it comes to addressing the housing and homelessness crisis that, that's being faced right across the country. So it's in, it's interesting that they would go to court and then and then not fight this. But you know what? The judge said there's not ad- adequate housing available. And they said, OK, so we're going to invest one hundred and sixty three million dollars in housing and homelessness, uh, leading to increased shelter capacity and support other supports. And I think that is what needs to be done. We need more housing. We need more supports that have, you know, wraparound supports around this housing. And I think Waterloo understands that and they needed this kick in the butt to make it happen. Okay. But Matt Gurney, this extends beyond Waterloo having to adjust its policies. This by necessity will apply to every single city in Canada. Yeah, I understand it's bad optics to appeal these things. Like, I get it. Like, we're, we're none of us on, on this panel right now were born yesterday. We all know the political dimensions of this. You know, you appeal this, and then you're suddenly being attacked by uh, your political opponents and advocacy groups for, you know, fighting the homeless in court and things like that. Like, we all understand why that's bad optics. But in our system of government, this is how we thrash issues out. We, you know, we can do it legislatively, or we can do it through the courts, and there's a proper role for both here. I don't see that appealing this is a blow to the homeless. I think it's about defining the exact limits of the law, and I think that's important here. And I, I think I broadly agree with Tamara's point here about like what we actually have to be doing to figure out this problem here. And I think Toronto should get the let out and start doing more about this, because I, I think with this ruling, we're going to see a lot of our parks being converted into living quarters here. But I do think, even though I think we all kind of would probably broadly agree Agree with where we need to be going, it's still useful to thrash it out in court and come up with a precise legal framework that everyone has to play by. 
Okay, so let's turn to a couple of national political controversies. One would be that three conservative MPs met with a controversial right-wing German politician. Then, when there was some degree of outrage, they denied knowing who she was, which is nonsense. Then Pierre Polyev, rather than embracing all of this and saying, you know, knock yourselves out, fill your boots, be free, uh, he called the woman vile and said that they had they had made a terrible mistake. So, Matt Gurney, moving forward, this is just one of those things you can always point to if you want to create scares about conservatives and being too conservative, then you can point to stupidity like this this weekend. Yeah, no, and look, I mean, oh, who would have guessed it? Cranks in the conservative caucus. Um, this is this has been a problem that every conservative leader has to deal with, and some of them have done a better job than others at dealing with it. The only thing I actually found particularly interesting about this, and I, I know I'm supposed to be all uh, outraged about the meeting itself. Guys, I just don't have the emotional energy left to be excited about certain conservative MPs being idiots. I'm sorry. Like, I've played that card before. But what was interesting about this was an opportunity to see how Pierre Polyev was going to react. And he thus far has had a looser uh, hand on the reins than we'd seen either Aaron O'Toole or Andrew Scheer or certainly Stephen Harper before them. This, though, was an issue that I, I said as soon as I saw the news of this come out, I said, I don't know if Pierre Polyev is going to be able to uh, avoid taking a stand on this one. I thought his statement was interesting because it was a very, very strong statement, but it was aimed mostly at the German visitor as opposed to the three members of his own caucus, which was obviously a bit of uh, politics being uh, played there. I honestly don't know if Leslin Lewis is going to be controlled by a stern letter from Pierre Polyev, and Mr. Polyev might have to get used to the fact that in the coming years he's going to be dealing with more eruptions just like this. Okay, John Burnside, I would think that Pierre Polyev could learn from Doug Ford, who has excellent caucus control and kicks the loons out. Yeah, and I think in a word it's called leadership. Uh, I think what offends me, I'm not sure if I'm more offended by the denial or the lack of leadership. And at the end of the day, you want to be the leader of the party, you want to be the leader of the country, you set the rules and you enforce them. And, you know, in this case, there's a whole conservative team that I'm pretty sure doesn't feel the same way as those three MPs. And now they're being painted with the same brush. to me, kick him out. Okay, listen, tomorrow, with your permission, I want to move to the other big controversy, and that's Justin Trudeau, who's ruling out a public inquiry into Chinese electoral, excuse me, interference. Yes, um, I give you permission, John. Are you asking me to speak first? Yes, because I want to. Okay, I want to. I mean, sometimes I yes. don't go to all three on this on the same topic. No, 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 no. That's totally moving. that's yeah. totally fine. No, I just want to make sure. Okay, so. Um, I think that this is really interesting. I I have found it really interesting reading about how Australia's approach to this has so differed from our approach in terms of, you know, being very public about the fact that this is a problem and one that we need to deal with. I do feel like um, Canada has allowed itself to be bullied or has sort of bowed down to China far more than we should, especially considering the um, human rights atrocities that that China has inflicted upon their own citizens and our own citizens. So I uh, listen, I I think it's ridiculous that 
Justin Trudeau cannot just address this giant elephant in the room and be on with it. Because honestly, until he does, I can't help but think that we're going to continue getting these CSIS leaks to the Globe and Mail. Um, and I would also encourage anybody who, who wants to read about this. I, I, I read a book last year called China Unbound by Toronto Star reporter Joanna Chu. And it very clearly paints how Chinese interference, uh, the tentacles of China are reaching into Canada and how they use their, you know, some university students here are co-opted and politicians and the very real threat that this poses to our democracy. So I just wish that our government would, would finally, you know, pipe up and say, yes, this is a problem that these are very disturbing allegations and we need to address them. And Matt Gurney, um, about an hour ago, Thomas Mulcair, former leader of the federal NDP, was on with us. He said Justin Trudeau can drag his feet all he wants, but there is going to have to be an inquiry. That's I, I didn't hear those comments, but that's exactly how I feel uh, about this as well. I think this fits a bit of a broader pattern that I've been talking about. Uh, I've been writing about this a lot. I've been talking about this a lot since actually June of last year, but increasingly since December. The Liberals, to me, and this is not a prediction about the outcome of the next election, because God only knows what will happen between now and then. But the liberals, to me, right now, don't seem well. And what I mean by that is that they're not making rational political decisions. I can disagree with the liberals till the cows come home. Most of the time, they make good political decisions that I can look at and go, well, you know, I disagree with that as policy, but I understand what they're doing there. The last few months, increasingly, I think these guys have been exhausted. I think they've been punch drunk, and I think they've been lost in their own echo chambers. This weekend, we saw people who are very friendly to the liberals taking to Twitter or other public uh, platforms to come out and go, guys, what you're trying here isn't working. I've been saying it last week. It's easy for the liberals to ignore me. They don't think I like them very much. When Jerry Butts, who is the former principal secretary for the prime minister, comes out and goes, guys, this isn't going to work for you. I would hope they would listen for that, but I don't know. The last few months they haven't been in a listening mood have they yeah yeah jerry butts the guy who let's not forget threw himself under the bus <laughs> to save justin trudeau not too long ago um I, john burns said i can't have a city councilor here without bringing up rosie demano's column in the toronto star i think she is it's a little over over boiled or whatever but i like the point she's making because i've made this point about our city in the past um i find that we take things that work and we try to un undo them we demolish buildings that we should keep. We uh, take a park that is, you know, something like Hanlon's Point, and all of a sudden you're talking about a concert venue. So effectively, she used the Osgood Hall trees as a totem for the idea that Toronto bungs everything up. Yeah, I wouldn't have used the Osgood Hall trees. I think that's somewhat of a different issue. Uh, but I don't disagree with what she's saying. I mean, you know, the whole idea when we talk about heritage just keeping the facade of a building, I just don't really see that as keeping heritage. And, but we do have to uh, sort of make a difference, uh, delineate the difference between the Wheat Sheaf Tavern that she mentions and Osgood Hall itself, right? And I think Toronto has just kind of lumped everything together. We keep facades, we tear everything else down, and then we're left with nothing. Yeah, Matt Gurney, not everything old must be preserved, but I think this attitude in Toronto of let's pretty well demolish everything and start all over again is, uh, is ignoring the fact that this city has a rich history. It had a rich history. I think we've paved over most of it by now. This is, you know, you spend any time in Montreal, Boston, New York, uh, 
And I mean, New York made a name for itself for decades as being the city that literally bulldozed everything. But it had so much sheer mass of history, they weren't able to work their way through all of it. We never did. Like, Toronto's role as a big city is something we're just kind of stepping into now. Historically, yeah, we were a big enough harbor city, right? We were a commercial hub, but we have not been the city of scale that we are now. We had very limited history to begin with, and there's not going to be much left of it in a few years. And honestly, Tamara, I know you're not living here anymore, but, you know, for example, yesterday I'm on my way out and I pass by the headquarters for Toronto Public Housing, and it's got one of those blue and white demolition things on the front of it. And it almost every building has one of those posters on it now. I mean, I'm I, I'm surprised. I, I wonder actually if it's being demolished to create a cannabis shop because I don't live in Toronto, <laughs> but every time I go there, which is quite often, um, it seems like a new one has continued to pop up. Listen, I think that um, there this is such a complicated issue. I absolutely like it, it. Was interesting reading Rosie's take on this because I agree with some, I don't agree with some. I think that it's far too broad of a swath and if we want to maintain Toronto how it was then we need to make it more affordable we need like there's so many things that we need to do but I also think that I agree with John that the Osgood Hall trees that aren't aren't they only like 40 years old or something that's not the hill to die on with this one thank you all good to have you today Matt Gurney Tamara Cherry and City Councillor John Burnside Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.